Hi, my name is David Speed. And I'm Adam Brazier. And this is the Creative Rebels podcast. Featuring inspirational stories and practical advice from some of the most prolific and successful creators in the world. Adam and I have co-founded multiple creative businesses and turned our varied passions into our careers. There's never been a better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people will tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to show you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. That was a happy one. I know, I was smiling as I said it as well. Oh, it comes it comes across in the audio. We can all hear your lovely smile. Oh, great. I want to talk about something, oh, I don't know, it might be a touchy issue. We might get some complaint emails. Oh, God, what, what are you going to do now? I want to talk about the pursuit of excellence. Oh, why, why would someone complain about that? Because I'm going to call people out on their bullshit. Ah, okay. I, like, so I, so this week's guest is Gabby Reese, yeah. who basically everything that she does she, I mean, she's really humble and she'll probably cringe when she hears this, but like she just becomes bloody great at, she just, yeah. she is on the pursuit of excellence and she, she finds it in everything that she does. And I truly believe that if people apply themselves to the things that they want to get great at, they, they can do it. And I just think like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you want, like, why are so many people just happy to just plod along and do some stuff and, and but not to go, okay, here's a thing. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to absolutely become the best at this thing. Because it's possible. Like you just have to have the grit and the determination, the willing to learn, learn from your mistakes, to bounce back and just and just keep going. I suppose the reason people don't do it is because they don't have all those things. They don't have the grit to do it. They, there's nothing that they want enough that makes them push themselves to do that. Like I don't want to be a professional runner, so I'm not going to put myself through doing that to become the best at it but the things that I do want to become the best at the things that I know will lead me to where I want to get to those are the things that I will put so much effort into to start to learn to master something but what about the people who don't want to become a runner but they do know the thing that they do want to get great at but they're not willing to put the work into that thing then they're just going to fail (laughs) (laughs) It's that simple. Well, it's like if you want it enough, if there's something that you really, really want, you have to put the time in to master it because you have to like if it's something that you want to do for a living, for some to people to pay you money for it, you need to get to a level that's good enough that people are willing to pay for that. And it's like if you don't have to master something, you just need to get good enough that people are willing to support you to the level that you are you don't have to be the absolute number one at something in the whole world but if you've found the thing that you love doing it's the doing of it it's the process that's what drives you so many people we talk to who are experts at stuff they love the doing as much as the getting there and I think so much it comes down to internal validation I think that's the difference it's like if you can get better at something if you can start to master something that's because you're making yourself proud like you're doing it for yourself I suppose there's different tiers isn't there there's like top tier is like world-class elite and for for those like those people do exist but they're so like I was watching um weirdly enough I was watching okay I have to explain why (laughs) um okay so I was Yona is doing a murder mystery EastEnders version and she was given Bianca Jackson as the character. Yeah. Um, so I went on Patsy Palmer's Instagram, uh, the actress who plays Bianca Jackson in EastEnders, and 
there was she posted this clip of this kid DJing this like eight-year-old girl DJing so I was like and the girl like this kid is amazing so I went and looked on that on that girl's page and like me and Yona watched like 10 different videos of this girl like literally like scratching like she was a 20 year old it was like incredible amazing DJ skills and and I was just like all I could think of like was just when she's 25 or 35 or 40 or 55 she's going to be so incredible just because she's had that that head start of the years that she's going to be able to put into things so you can clearly see there that is going to be a person that's going to be that top tier world elite at something but then there's the then there's the like the the other tiers that are just better than everyone else and if you can get into that like you're not world class but you're really fucking good then like you like you you can just smash it from that tier. Yeah, I think that comes down to um we've talked about this before personally where I kind of have a philosophy is like you don't have to become the absolute top best because at some point the level of effort you put into it there's diminishing returns on that. So you can just like get so good at something but then like to get to like 90% to 100% is going to be say 8 years whereas to get to 1% to 90% is going to be three years so it's like how much effort you're going to put into becoming the best you can possibly get and I think as a human there's like we can become really really good at lots of different things and I think you can either just concentrate on one thing like I know in Japan they really focus on individual people master one thing you spend your full life doing that like I was watching a program the other day and there was a guy who'd been battering things in tempura for 30 plus years and it's like he was the guy to batter stuff and he could do (laughs) like he could do things so perfectly and he'd mastered that and he dedicated his whole life to that and i know it like other people in like as part of their culture that's kind of how it's seen is like you pick your trade and you master that and you do that forever and i feel like that's how it used to be kind of in the uk and like kind of more western culture years ago where someone would as a young person pick their trade and they'll do that for life but i think the generation and the time we're in now you can be more versatile you can have different skills in different areas become a bit of a multi-hyphenate have abilities that can cross over into other areas because i feel like having that broader skill set that is still very very good just puts you on this higher tier so i think as someone today like if you can get to a stage where you can not master but get really really good at a number of different things like you're so much more valuable to society yeah yeah and and like if you're if you're applying for a job and you also have on your cv as well as whatever your main skill is like oh i can also edit videos or i can i can produce podcasts or like what whatever it might be that that gives you kind of a, a leg up on your competition because you're you're mastering sort of various different skills and i definitely think you are right when because i like i'm spending a lot of time on tiktok at the moment because i just think it's an amazing platform but like looking at the kids on there like they are multi-skilled and they are growing multiple things and becoming good at those multiple things and i think for their for their futures that's that's going to be a hugely and for me for as someone who's like who's like behind that then it not behind but like in terms of age is like not as young as they are i'm looking at okay just because i'm older doesn't mean that i can't like try and forward myself in in multiple things as well and i suppose that i i mean i'm working at the moment on our book proposal and literally chapter one of the book proposal is what do you want 
And yeah. I think it's such an important question because until you've ascertained exactly what it is you want, then you can't start gaining mastery in in the topic. So it's it's really and like really sitting in that and being like, yeah, what what do I want? And when you think you've found what it is, like why is it that you want that, and what what is going to come from that? Because then you can start to to map everything towards that in this current climate as well i know a lot of people who are still succeeding and doing really well are those people who are very good at multiple things going forward into the future this is only going to get more useful yeah i've been obsessed recently with following like beat makers on tiktok um so people who are just like showing the fruity loops or whatever the program is that they're using um editing together beats and like I love it and I would love to make beats. I really would love to make beats, but it's like when I look at my time, I I re- it's like it's one of those yeah. things, isn't it? Like, oh, I don't have time. Um that means it's not a priority to you. And and like like truly I guess it's not a priority. I would love to do it if I had all the time in the world, but yeah. what I want to do more is I want to paint and I want to produce the podcast and I want to become a better speaker. And like those are the things that are are truly like I have to make time for those. So whilst I would love to start making beats, I can see that I can see that to get good at learning all of those different programs and the YouTube videos I, have, I would have to watch and all of that sort of stuff is such a hours and hours time commitment that like that's for me further down the road when when I don't need to practice painting or I don't need to practice speaking anymore. It's, it's funny you say that because there's lots of different things that I've like tried over the years that have just been for fun and you can try them and I feel like it's good to have those things for fun but we talk about a lot when we do university talks when it really comes down to picking what it is you're going to do it's like yes you might have loads of different interests yes you might be good at lots of different things but if you want to make a career out of something you can't make a career out of doing lots of things okay you need to narrow those down to do a few things well so I think if there's ever time to learn to make beats, if that's something you, you are actually interested in, I feel like it's worth having that time in your life to go and do those things. But it should be a small percentage that is just for your entertainment if your main focus for your career is something else. Yeah, that's the thing. I'd want to get really good at it. And and that's the thing is like, I don't want to start it and, and just be all right at it. I'd want to make amazing beats. And that's, that's where the problem lies because I know the time commitment that that would take. Life is long. There's no need to just rush into doing every single thing that you want to do right now. Like you can, if you wanted to do beats in 10 years, when you've got a bit more yeah. time, like you could go and do that then. Like, it's not like, because you have an interest in it, it doesn't mean you have to do all of them right now, because if you do all of them right now, then again none of them you're going to be frustrated if you want to achieve mastery or get to a certain level at them to be kind of like proud of what you've done you're just going to be disappointed so it's like focus on small things at a time that you can get really good at and once you feel like okay I've got to a level now that I wanted to achieve then start going into something else yeah and this week's guest Gabby Reese is someone who's done that exactly like she's just developed and developed and developed over time Gabby Reese is a former professional volleyball player She's a health and fitness expert, a best-selling author, a presenter, a podcaster, and a mum. She has co-founded multiple businesses and is a true example of someone who falls in love with the process of things, pursuing excellence with grit and determination. In this episode, we talk about motivation, excellence, and learning. There's, There's just so much to learn and so many ways to improve that I believe that if you're you have that mindset, it's just a better place to go because all of a sudden you sort of have the ability to keep navigating. 
Hi, Gabby. Thanks for doing our podcast. Hi. I, good morning for me and good afternoon for you guys, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big time difference. So it strikes me in kind of researching you, it strikes me that you seem like quite a curious person. Um, and you've had, it seems, like various passions over the years. Would that seem accurate? I think it's, you know, I think it's a combination. I, I think um, I think I am curious. It's weird because living with somebody who is like uber curious, sometimes it may, may you reflect on if you're really curious, yeah. you don't know. And it's not that you're comparing yourself. But I think also what I have ended up happening is because I've been involved in jobs that were small or, or not small, like in sports, I was on a small platform. Um, and then also kind of saying, well, that path doesn't exist. So you sort of are cutting a path a little bit. So it's not just about curiosity. It was also probably a little bit about hustle. If I, if I could be honest, it was like, well, how am I going to get to do that? And so it, I think it's a combination. Well, I suppose curiosity is the first step, isn't it? And then hustle comes after that. Actually, I would push and say that it's, it's probably like um, the thing that you're genuinely passionate and interested about that then leads you to say, I'd like to understand that a little better. And then when you can see and recognize the limitations quickly, that you say that you, you have to then add the hustle. So I think it's sort of a sequence of trying to understand who you, you are and your genuine interests first. And then seeing how you can make that work. And how do you find those genuine interests? Because I know there's a lot of people who don't think they're interested in anything. I know that's a tough one. You know, it's that that might be the key of, you know, entrepreneurship or, you know, oh, what am I going to do with my life? Even though that could be seven things, you know, one brings you to the next yeah. and you have all these iterations of what your life is. I think it's, I think it's, about saying what can I get up for each day that when it's really really hard I'm still willing to get up for and it's something I believe in or it's something I'm proud to share or to sell or to represent and also that it's lined up with who I genuinely am um, I, I think if we sort of do that self-analysis a little bit even if it's just quickly inside that we we we're still we're always as lined up as we can be and then the path stays you know locked in and pretty consistent with that i think when we don't check in all of a sudden we look and the path is you know way off course and then we spend the time sort of trying to navigate that so i think it's just about really always kind of lightly checking with yourself and saying does this feel good does this feel right yeah i know there's a steve jobs quote um from a commencement speech that he did where he talked about if he looks back over the last two weeks and thinks, if I've not woke up every day thinking, am I doing, am I on the right course, then it's about time to change. Yeah, I think it's it's scary because especially if we invest time in things, we sort of think, well, I have to make this happen. And there are times that I think as long as we're checking in honestly, not, oh, this is uncomfortable or hard or I'm scared, that is part of the path. But like, this isn't really who I am or I'm doing this for the wrong reasons then you have you have to be willing to like pull the cord change direction and even say wow I spent a lot of time time on something that didn't work but it did lead me 
to this sort of realization. I think that's so critical because we have this kind of sunk cost fallacy of, oh, I've started doing something. And even though we know it's not right, we carry on and we keep doing it. But then because we feel like if we stop, it's a failure. But then if we if we stop and say, like you, you articulated it perfectly, if we stop and then say, but that's what led me to the next thing. And and just in realizing that it was the wrong thing, like that's a huge step in itself. That That's life. You know, I think for people to think, I'm going to have an idea. It's going to be the perfect right one. I'm going to make all the right moves to get there. And I'm going to arrive at this place that I saw is, I don't want to say it's naive. It's just not realistic. And it's actually not being fair to yourself. I think it's about having an inclination or a tendency towards something and start just willing to just move in that direction and then being also willing to staying open to course correct or adjust as you go on the journey, for sure. And you mentioned things being like hard or scary. Would you say like that friction is always going to be there? Yes, I think, first of all, it's a powerful motivator, keeps you alert, keeps you aware, keeps you smart. But it's part of living. I just, you know, I think the desire to want to get someplace and have everything in this homeostasis and I live there and I'm with this person and this is what my life looks like is, is not life. Life is about, oh, things are always changing. And even when something is great, it will change and, and being willing and open to say, okay, I was this person one year ago or five years ago, but I am different or my life is different. What does that look like and what do I want it to continue to look like and to and to kind of move with that? Because that's being human. Nothing ever stays the same. And it and it's always a little scary and unknown. I noticed from various things that I've that I've heard you say in the past that you kind of give people that permission to like it is okay to 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 find a new role and to go somewhere else because for you, I, I guess, like as an athlete, as a volleyball player, that was that was the label that people had, had given you. And you sort of and, and even going back to when you were first starting, is, is it true that um, you were you were not kind of um, sort of chosen as the as you're going to be a real real success at this and you had to kind of work your way into it? Yeah, I think. I grew up in a way, I grew up in the Caribbean until I was 15, so my junior year. I wasn't groomed. A lot of athletes you'll see that it gets recognized early, that people around them talk about it, like, oh, you're fast and you're big and you're great. And, you know, there's a grooming process. And I was very, very, t- I'm very tall for a female. I'm 6'3". And back then that was sort of even a little taller. It, you know, there's a lot of girls 6'3 now. But it was more of, I, I moved to the, the States, to Florida, my junior year, which is sort of like your last two years of high school or primary school. And um, it was a discovery. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, conversation with me about winning and being a champion and what does that look like and discipline and planning and, and uh, the strategy that it takes to take on any goal. Um, but it was something that I fell in love with. It was something that gave me purpose. It felt right. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, navigated all the self-doubt probably the whole time, even as a professional athlete. I think I always had that chirping in the back of my mind. Um, like, are you faking it? Should you be here? You, you know, are you really that good? 
you know, those kinds of things. That was very interesting. And I have quite a few peers that, uh, at least to me, it didn't appear that they were going through that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they probably were, though. Some were, some were not. Some were like straight ahead. I'm going to crush you. I will crush you. I deserve to crush you. I deserve to be here. This is my real estate. And, um, and also as a female, right, you sort of have other dynamics. Like, uh, I don't want to hurt anyone's feeling. I need to beat you. Um, I'm a good person. I need to win. There's some of, you know, there's an interesting, and I think maybe women experience this in business, where I have to be the boss, I have to say uncomfortable things, I have to tell people things that they don't want to hear. It doesn't mean you have to be bitchy about it, but you have to drop off information that people aren't going to be like, wow, I love that. And men men oftentimes won't wrestle with, um, I hope they like me. It's like, no, I'm the boss. I have a mission. I have stuff to do, and this is how I have to get it done. And I feel as a female that um, that was these were things I've I've really had to learn and get comfortable with. Yeah, it's definitely so. Our our business partner is female, and um, she's certainly opened both mine and Adam's eyes to to stuff that we just had no idea. Being stupid men just bumbling into these situations, <laughs> but um, it is crazy how how just I mean. So we run a, a mural company. We paint graffiti for for brands and things, and so when they know they're going to be meeting graffiti artists and Yona turns up in like a whatever fabulous dress she's got on or whatever she's wearing that day, um, already they're on the back foot of this is not what I expected and and their mind is racing because they probably expected me with all my tattoos and there's instantly there's kind of this, okay, this this is weird. Um, And then just, just sort of, I suppose it's having to, not not being given respect straight off the bat, like having to work to earn the respect. That's crazy. Well, so it's interesting. I'm in an interesting position because of my size. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually bypass a lot of things because I'm usually as big or bigger than quite a few of the people in the room, if you will. Yeah. If you want to talk about bit, if you want to talk about business. And I also am coming from sport. So I have a different way of presenting myself just from going through that background and then being big. So I never deal with that. It was more of my own internal dialogue and, and, and also navigating people's responses. So for example, let's say your business partner has somebody that she feels like, oh, this guy's putting me off because I don't look like the part when I walk in. It's, it's learning not to bring that into your own narrative because you already you already sort of have your internal narrative that you're trying to improve upon. And so instead of spending all this energy on like, oh, I can see that they weren't expecting a girl and da-da-da, it's like, that's got nothing to do with me. I'm here to do my job. I'm here to execute. I'm not even going to put energy into that. Um, and I'm going to try to continue to keep minimizing the things that are holding me back from what I really want to do and think I, I'm here to contribute. And that just takes time and real, you know, identifying like sometimes when we live in places, it's so easy to go to the external and point at all of these things that are in our way or creating um, why I'm feeling this way instead of me, uh, rec- you know, we say recognize the board. What board are you playing? Recognize the board, see the obstacles, know them. They're there. We all need to do that male or female. And then say, great, I'm going to play the board. 
And I'm also going to notice when my own garbage and insecurity pops up and how do I want to change that and, and play the board. So for me, uh, my size really was very helpful in business for sure. It, it is. Um, but, uh, and when I was really young, like in my twenties, when I was, I was doing other business besides sport, I was doing television and writing columns and things like that. I was so desperate to be taken seriously. Like if you're a female and then I was, you know, I was quite frankly, manipulating the system a little bit by modeling and sort of putting an image out there that I knew could bring attention to the platform. Inside, I was like, I have thoughts and feelings and things to contribute. I want to be taken seriously. And then you go, oh, get over it and like get over yourself. If you do the work and you do the job, uh, it'll find its place. And, and the other side of this, and you guys know this as artists, people will take away whatever it is that they want to take away. Like they're not going to realize like how much discipline it takes for you guys to do graffiti art. They're just going to think like, oh, it's rebellious and cool, right? Or they won't understand maybe what the message is. That's not your problem. You do it for the reasons you do it. And they take whatever it is that they need to get from what you're doing. And you can't control that. And so that's, that's just a lesson that you learn through time. Yeah, that's so true. A hundred percent agree. So obviously, like being an athlete in your 20s, it always kind of strikes me that at that age, like your body is ready, like your like physically peak of like muscle twitch fibers and strength and everything is like maxed. But your head isn't like just not there yet. Like, how did you how did you stay sane and navigate that like kind of crazy world? Well, the good news is most of the other athletes, you're all within, you know, five to 10 years of each other. Uh, so you're probably all playing that game a little mm. bit. And every once in a while, you'd see an athlete that uh, they were just ahead of everybody, like whatever their deal was, they were just smarter, uh, mentally tougher. Uh, they weren't there to make friends. Um, they were, I don't know, it's, so those does... are the really fun ones to watch. But I, I think... Listen, you, you get put under a lot of pressure early. And if you make it through the level, so at university or then as a pro, you generally are displaying traits of somebody who mentally can kind of, um, we call it body of evidence. Somebody who goes, I've been here before, I feel the pressure, and I understand how to focus and, and try to accomplish the goal. You, usually, whether you're 18 or even 25, uh, most people are displaying a little bit of that that capacity. Would you say that you've always had kind of like that underdog mentality of like, is it a motivator for you to like prove people wrong? No, not at all. My, my motivation is uh, probably twofold. I think my motivation has always been um, survival. Like, hey, if I do this well, I will be able to survive. And then it also became about the feeling you get when you're in the pursuit of excellence. When you're really putting yourself in an environment each day that has discipline and hard work and you're willing to take constructive criticism and you couldn't do something and then you could. Um, and then as I've gotten older, the motivation has to switch, right? Fear is good, it's limiting though. So the motivation has to go to recognizing your good fortune you know, I say grace, none of us deserve anything. 
and saying, I'm going to show that I appreciate this. I'm not going to rhetoric by continuing to do it at the level that is, I'm still always in the pursuit of my best self, that excellence. And, and for me, I think that showing up that way is exhausting. It is. I'm not going to lie. It's exhausting as a person. It's exhausting as a professional. But it's that thing of recognizing I'm not going to take this for granted and I'm really going to take care of it the best I can. Also knowing the formula that I also recognize and know selfishly, this will lead me on to the next place in my path. Do you think that anybody can develop that? I do. You just have to be willing to understand that failure is a big part of success and that you don't take it personal, that you don't think you're not worth anything, that you don't think you can't do it because you fail, that you recognize, you go, oh, okay, what was I supposed to learn here? This sucks. I'm uncomfortable. I'm doubting myself and I'm going to get up tomorrow and get after it. But it helps to have people around you. You guys actually have a team, yeah. right? You're on a team. And so I would always encourage people to say, hey, even if you're in an individual environment, whatever that is, if it's a business or what have you, seek out those people um, that that know what you're trying to do or have a sense of it and that, you know, know kind of how to say some of the things that you'll need to get up the next day. And somebody shared this with me a long time ago. It is important to find mentors and there's people want they're willing to be mentors, but you also sometimes have to ask. You have to say, hey, listen, can you help me? Or what are you seeing? Um, and, and surround yourself with people that are willing to be honest with you. So that means they love you and they've got your back, but they will be brutally honest with you. And, and I feel like if we can do that, that makes the process possible. Nobody can do it on their own. If you got mentors. Absolutely. I have ones in my real life, like my coach from college, who's still a very dear friend of mine, was really a a person who taught me about personal accountability, but she also taught me about like, you're never going to make everybody happy. So you have to just like release that. And, um, and then, you know, through life, I've had uh, people in business and I've had, if you're reading about people, uh, you know, all kinds of people that sort of remind you about, uh, you, stay focused on yourself because that's the other thing. Think about your art. You can't do graffiti art the way another great person who does graffiti art does it. What you can do is celebrate, <clears throat> celebrate them, but it still has to come back to what's my lane, not to be limited by your lane, but to just stay in touch with like, who am I and how can I be the best at that? And not worry about like, wow, they do that amazing. That's great. They do that amazing. Um, you guys might even experience this doing podcasts. I listen to certain podcasts that I want to learn from, but there's no way I'm going to do a podcast that way. You know, like if I listen yeah. to even Joe, to Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or Ben Greenfield, I love them. And I love the grant, you know, some of the information. I can't tell dick jokes like Joe Rogan and then turn into <laughs> quantum physics, right? I can't go. I don't have that spectrum. And nobody wants to hear that from me. So it's always like going, what feels good? What feels good? What feels good? And um, and every time you're done, you'll question it. That's the way it is. I think that's a really important point because 
a lot of people won't start something because they think, well, someone's already doing this. Whereas they're not doing it your way. It's like you will put a completely different spin on it to someone else. And if you go out there with the whole idea of replicating someone else, then it's not going to it's not going to work. Yeah. And it's and it's already like you said, it's not only already been done, it's expired. Yeah. You have to if you want to go ahead, you're the only one. So and like I said, that little tinge of you're never going to be sure you never are going to feel like, oh, man, I hit the bullseye. What I love about sport is it's clear you win, you lose. Mm-hmm. I do love that. But like, for example, Laird, my husband, he surfs and he, you know, he survives or doesn't survive. That's sort of a, a pretty good <laughs> litmus of like, that was a good. But for him, it's art, right? He's like these turns and these moves and how he connects on the wave. So. I think sometimes people have to understand being an entrepreneur, or, um, you know, it's art even within it. Now you, you can get reports like your business is up and this is an indication that it's going well, but you're never going to, or hardly ever are you going to feel like, Oh man, I'm nailing it. Yeah. I saw something on LinkedIn that someone posted the other day that was like, um, it's like being an entrepreneur is not winning one nil. It's winning 120.76. So it's like, there's going to be wins, there's going to be losses, but it's a whole process. And if you ever fear the losses, then you won't do all of those other wins. Yeah. And and the losses, as long as we can start looking at, oh, that didn't work. I got that message. I'm moving on now and do it quickly. Um, they start becoming just learning opportunities and um, and places that kept you away from a space that weren't going to be good for you. So keep moving. For sure. Uh, going back to mentors, uh, how do you know what mentors would be right for you? Because it might be easy to kind of like look at someone and think like, oh, I would love them to mentor me, but they might not be the right person for you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple things in that. One is just natural chemistry. Think about your partnership. Yeah. You just have chemistry. Certain things are easy that uh, maybe with other people you always had to kind of work with. I think there has to be natural chemistry with that person. Because that means someone there, somewhere with within that relationship, the language, there's something you understand easily about the way that they communicate. I think that's really important. Because have you ever had that with somebody who's really smart and you make a comment and they respond over down low and it's like, oh, I speak German, but they speak, you know, French. Like we're just never really going to quite yeah. connect on that language. I was going to say, like, as painters, like, as as a team we work really really well together because it's like we can all be painting the same piece and then swap and that person does this bit and then they swap over and do this bit and we can all work like in harmony i think that harmony is probably the right word to describe it because we can all work together and we don't have to say anything we can sometimes just look and there would be that knowing of what to do it's not like oh can you pick that up it's like we're all doing the same thing so we'll go and pick it up at the same time together yeah and and believe me never undervalue chemistry you know i think about that i've been with my in my relationship for 24 years and let me tell you a lot of it's just chemistry and uh so when you find people that you have chemistry it doesn't mean you're the same it doesn't mean they go i agree there's no growth in i agree we agree we agree we agree you don't want that but you want somehow that the way you arrive or that you can understand each other is there's a fluidity within that. 
Um, and the other side is I have a, a military friend, a Toro, and he said something really interesting, which was, you don't have to always look for the best person. You have to look for the right person. Mm. And I believe with your mentor, sometimes it's got to be the right person for what it is that you're trying to do. Because sometimes the best person may not understand why they are the best. They may not be able to articulate that. Um, so I think it's about looking for somebody who who fits you that way and what you need at that time. Um, and And I hate to say it, you want a mentor to feel like weirdly they're going to be direct and harsh with you and they might even constructively criticize you but there's a safety there and even when they do scare you like my coach from college scared me always i was you know afraid of her but i felt somehow weirdly safe because that's really where the greatest learning happens for me it's like with your parents isn't it it's like you know that there's that unconditional love so Although something might feel uncomfortable, it's like, I, I know you're shouting at me because I've done something wrong or whatever. But at the end of the day, I can I can accept that and I can accept your anger and in a relationship because I know that I still have you. Like, I know that we're still fine. Yeah, and sometimes you may feel unsafe, but somewhere in there, your mentor's actually clear about why they're doing things. They're still in charge. I You see a lot of people where... Uh, you know, is it military, even in music where someone is like, you know, there's a, there's a harshness or coaches, for example, they're so harsh, but they still sort of really understand what they're trying to do. And I think you have to feel that your mentor has that. When you're mentoring people, are there any kind of like common threads? Like what's the main thing that holds most people back? I think it is that, that fear of failure of looking bad, of, saying, I really want that and not getting that because that does hurt. It hurts a lot. It's like telling someone, I love you. You know, it's like, if you have a dream, it's painful. And when you want to strive and achieve things, um, you're putting it out there. And also if we confess that to other people, now all of a sudden they're like, are you going to do it? Did you do it? Yeah. Have you yeah. done it? How's it going? And, um, one thing we've been talking about a lot recently is is the use of language because we find a lot of people writing things online of uh things like uh i'm thinking about starting a podcast rather than i'm going to start a podcast because then if it doesn't happen they can let themselves off the hook because they said oh i never said i was going to do it i said i was thinking about it and i suppose there's there's a lot of power to that having the confidence to actually declare it and be like i am going to do this yeah, thing and it's and everyone's like all right let's go and um that, but that's really a pot that's positive pressure because then you're like, I got to do this. Yeah, I, I think we everyone kind of like runs away from that pressure, don't they? But like it can be really positive. And, and it's interesting when you were talking earlier about the, the pursuit of greatness and and how anyone can how anyone can go on that path and, and on that quest. And it's like because I've never done sports in my life, like I, I used to hide <laughs> during games at school. Uh, I, there was one year where I managed to not sign up for anything. Um, so me and my friend just went and there were woods near our school. So we used to just go and hide in the woods. Um, and I literally for a whole year, I, I managed to avoid all sports. So um, it's I've never been that sporty person. It's never appealed to me. However, 
I have everything that you were talking about. Things, I, I guess, skills that you've developed through a career as an athlete have then, you've then been able to parlay into business. And they're skills that in business, I think I have just developed naturally. But it's that, it's that grit, it's that determination, it's getting up, it's, it's getting punched in the face, metaphorically, entrepreneurially, getting punched in the face and then, then rebounding from it. Well, imagine you're trying to do art for a living. Yeah. I don't know if there, I don't know if there's anything hard, like, okay, so art for a living, uh, stand up comedian, like these are very hard jobs. Yes. This is like, you know, sport is, you get, it gets, you get weeded out pretty quickly. You know, it's like you're in, you're out. Like you start to know pretty quick. I think with art, oh, and, and there's a, there's a, it's like, it's a little more, obviously it's subjective. So it's, it can't, you're like, no, this is my art and it's great. And people are like, well, I'll tell you if you (laughs) can make a living at your art. So I think that that actually takes a different type of grit and, and confidence and passion, uh, than, uh, than sport because sport it's win, lose in, out on the team, off the team, you know, it's almost like put in 10 years and then we'll let you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and even though you're going people will be like mm, that's not for us it's like okay well, i suppose I there still isn't it now in yeah. terms of like the market like if you produce something that you've been 10 years in and no one wants it that's the market saying no this isn't for us same as a sports team yeah and it's important to know that did you guys see that documentary on uh yayo uh kasama no. the japanese painter no. Oh my gosh. Kind of blew my head off because so it's this woman, uh Japanese, she does all the mirror rooms. Kusama, and um uh well that's one thing she does. The that the level of diversity and creativity uh, you guys would your your appreciation for it would be far greater than mine even, but I, as somebody who I I really appreciate things like this, the um, the different types of creativity and the amount of production and people being like, no, 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 literally made her go crazy, literally. And like to get recognized like late seventies, you know, you're a woman, you're little, you're Japanese after World War II coming to the US to sell your art. And then boys like Andy Warhol are ripping you off and putting your ideas. So I'm just saying like, you know, to produce and to say her, this is a person that when you see her, I encourage people to try to find the documentary on her, that she knew better than everybody. She knew. She was right. Her brilliance, how am I going to judge her? Her brilliance in art and what she's doing, I don't, I don't even have the IQ for it. So if you're the market and the guy is buying and the gallerists, their IQs weren't even high enough to understand what this person who knew what they were doing. And so I think sometimes there are those few individuals that they pay a price for that. And, um, and that's just like actually a very different story. You know, I always joke like my medium intelligence and some decent tenacity and organization actually helps me be successful. Sometimes it's like, if you're so high level, but you can't, figure out how to execute or the market isn't allowing you that might I suppose be with her scenario, as well like sure. she must have just loved it like 
and not felt like she needed to make the money from it. Obsession. But it, a little yeah. validation. Money is a, is a, a representation. Of, it's energy. It's a representation of validation. I think it's when you're an obsession and when you look at her, the only reason she was here on, mm-hmm. and is here is to make art. It isn't for babies. It isn't to make babies. It isn't to like be someone's wife. It is to be an artist. And when you can't get that energy back just a little, like, yeah, that was good. Uh, which does come sometimes in making money or at least people going, oh, I get it. Or I don't get it, but I'm loving it. Um, and you don't get it. It's like, oh, it's heavy. If people are f- afraid to do anything, they should watch a documentary. And then the next day they can wake up and be like, I can do it. Um, Gabby, what are you bad at? I'm bad at a lot of things. <laughs> I think I'm... I'm uh, I think I'm a great executor and I do have a level of creativity, but it comes in a, in a weird way. You know, there's a part of me that I I feel that I'm, I come across as so uber linear and, um, and that I have identified as somebody who maybe I may, I set up myself more rigid than I needed to be early. I grew up in a kind of a weird way with unknown and my, you know, my mom left for a few years, my dad passed away. So I really set up in some concrete early because I was like, I, Oh, I have to survive and I have to plan. But what I wish I had done was allowed a little more pliability and, and greater creativity. Um, so I limited myself. I, I mean, I think there's parts of me that are trying to undo that. Um, but I think that's one of the things I'm, I'm not particularly good at. Because it's never too late, uh, right? Well, it's the constant. It's, it's waking up each day and it's that check-in that we use for everything to use the check-in to go. Because the check-in will tell you. It'll say, it'll whisper and say, hey, look over here. This is now it's time to take on this pile. You know, it's like having stacks of piles you're trying to organize and maybe this one's most important first. And once that sort of finds a home, you, your whisper goes, look over here now, here's your next most important pile. And some of it is professional, like an ex- on an execution level, some of it's personal, some of it's just for you, your internal thing of like your own personality. Um, some. You know, some of it could be in a relationship with another person or like for me with my children. Um, and and also, I think I, I do a little bit. I'm too a little bit like the feet, the fires on my feet. I think sometimes I need to rejigger that and stop doing that. That's that's a, a trait that's like a default go to for me that um, there's a limitation in that. You know, so? instead of as- aspiring always aspiring and dreaming you're like your feet are on the fire and there is a you stay on the ground more when you're like that you don't you don't go as high and as big and and also the allowance so it's like I have always wanted to win or be successful but not too successful or you know it's like I want attention but not too much attention um, because it feels uncomfortable to me because I've always felt like I don't want to separate. I want to do those things and experience that, but I don't want to separate. I don't want to get isolated. And unfortunately, sometimes when you have that, you start to isolate 
you go, you know, you sort of move into other dimensions where uh, you, it's confusing. It's like when people are uber, uber, uber successful, they, they move away. And so how do you stay grounded and go into the air? You know, it's like, that's what I want to do. I want to be grounded and clear and, and as balanced in homeostasis as I can, but I want to go in the clouds. And um, that's always like a weird balance. It seems to me that your that you and, and your family really are, are not like motivated by like stuff or things. Like, in fact, you have like quite a simple life, right? Well, okay, yes. And if you came to my life, you'd be like, yeah, no, it's not simple. <laughs> Meaning, you know, we live in, Ma in Malibu and we live in Hawaii. Right there is not simple. Um, uh, Laird can surf for a living. Obviously, we have other businesses. But the fact of where we have come from to start our living is not so usual. Yeah. The, the, the idea that we can make training part of our job is... I guess the important thing for us is always to recognize, yes, this is the reality you've created, but don't lose sight of uh, what a gift it is and that it's not usual. You know, it's hard work. Um, you know, we get to eat organic food whenever we want. You know, it's sort of these things that are so easy to forget that are actually not simple that people every day are busting their ass, trying to keep lights on. And you want to talk to them about breathing through their nose and eating a certain kind of food. And they're like, I don't even know what you're getting to talk about. And I, and I always say that having the opportunity to ponder or be philosophical or reflective is actually a luxury. So I think it's, it's, it's like both. Yes, I don't need yellow diamonds to be happy. I don't walk around like I'm simple this way. But I, I believe that both Laird and I, when you say, what do I want to work at? I want to work on big things. You know, I want to do things that are successful, um, but I want to contribute to the world. And I know my husband does as well, but in the way that's authentic to who we are. And so it's, it's both, right? It's again, it goes back to the root in the ground, but then trying to get your kite really high so you get this different view um, and it, it makes it easier living with a person who has that similar value. The way we do things is totally different. He's actually an artist who uses surfing as his canvas. We're completely different, but you've got that constant check-in. You know, if I got weird and was like, I need to wear Versace to go to the grocery <laughs> store and wear fake eyelashes. He would be like, Are, what, like, have you lost your mind? You know? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's just, again, it goes back to that group around you that loves you and is like, um, let's check in on that. Um, yeah, so simple, but listen, crazy. Like, I'm right now looking at a mountain. I have the ocean over here. I can see that. On Kauai, I have a very similar setup. So it's that definition. We've defined success as this whole elaborate thing with lots of cars and busyness. But for Laird and I, success is autonomy, you know, um, good food, the freedom of schedule, but being willing to work as hard as you need to work. And for a lot of years, that's the other thing is we understand, hey, this is really fortunate. 
Let's take care of it. Let's expand. But also make sure whatever you're doing reflects who you are today, not like 10 years ago. And that's important too. That's such an important lesson. Um, so in, in, like in your business and in your life, you kind of voluntarily put yourself through stress um, into, like in a lot of different ways. Do you think that's important? Healthy stress is important. I think seeking, because life has drama and BS. And um, I think as organisms, humans, we are going to always want and need a little stress. So rather than having ones with like our lovers or with our boss or somewhere unnecessarily, why not find positive stress? So exercise or learning or whatever it is in your environment that can help you grow and expand so that you can have as much peace as possible in these other areas that you want to nurture. You want to nurture your relationships. And personally, it's like you want to nurture your own spirit and love yourself, but you need to kick your own ass in, a right, in the right way so that you can be, keep your metal up. How to keep your metal up, you know, because you need that metal for the quest of living life and taking on new tasks and goals or, you know, dealing with stressful situations that um, that we can't avoid. So I always say we're looking for positive stressors for that expansion, not destructive ones like alcohol and drugs and like, let me get in a fight with, you know, the neighbor. So, I, you know, I can experience that stress because we're going to look for it. We are going to look for it. Yeah, 100 percent. So what were the hardest things about setting up your business that you kind of weren't expecting? Well, you have to remember, we've set up a lot of businesses and some have failed, some have neutralized. Um, right now, we are we have XPT, our fitness business, and then Laird Superfood. And, you know, we have a graveyard skeletons of businesses that just, they didn't launch, you know, or they made it for a while, but they, you know, you had, you go, okay, that's not going to work. So, XPT was a natural birth out of our lifestyle, and that business is doing well. Um, and it's and and having the right team, I will say this to people over and over and over again. It is about the people you work with. You can have the best idea in the world, and if you don't have the right infrastructure, it just doesn't matter. Um, so it starts there. We have the right team there. I think a lot of people and are af afraid to bring on a team though. Um, I know a lot scary, of people, yeah, they struggle with kind of like, oh, I've got this great idea and then they want to like hold on to it and not let it go. No, you know, what's interesting is I, uh, I, I created a class and taught a class that I then taught other people to teach. And what you have to do when you have an idea is be willing, not only to let other people do it, but be willing to be prepared that they will make it their own and not freak out. And by the way, don't worry about credit. Like, well, no, actually I did that. It's like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like there's seven, there's 7 billion people in the world. And by the way, let's go back in history. Like do it because that's what you want to do it. And don't worry about credit. You know, I, again, I'll use Laird as an example. Laird basically re, you know, sort of energize what Laird, uh, what stand up paddling is. So for eight, seven, eight years, I watched Laird and two of his friends stand up paddle. I watched him break paddles, change boards, all that stuff. So we'll go places. People, some people know, some people don't know. And I'll say to Laird, like, we'll drive down the coast and lots of people are stand up paddling. And I'll go, how does that make you feel? And he goes, I knew I was <laughs> having so much fun. And 
it's doing things because that's what you want to do. And don't worry about that. So the team is scary, but if it's a natural, you know, I, I don't believe in like having an idea, then maybe you get funding and then going, let's have big fancy offices and elaborate teams. I'm not talking about that. Organically recognizing, hey, we need this at this time and, and trying to find the right people. Now, I will say my experience with Laird Superfood has been the most unusual. Um, that business uh, is, is a, on a rocket ship ride, quite frankly. Um, nobody was planning it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't strategic. It came out of a natural habit that Laird was doing for 15, 20 years. And someone else who was uh, brought in as a startup for another business we were doing, Laird and his friend started a stand-up golf board, the electric golf board. That guy used to watch Laird drink coffee for three, four years. And his friends come in and go, can I have one of your coffees? Can I try that? Can I try this? And thought after a few years, why can't I try to figure that out? Like a powder. He goes, can I just see if I can make a formula? And we were like, yeah, okay, whatever, yeah, sure. Makes the formula in three months of the original creamer. And then slowly but sure, surely, because the timing, see, this is the thing it's important for people to mm -hmm. realize. Sometimes yeah. we're early on things. And that's the lesson you're going to stick in your pocket that's going to show itself up five to 10 years later when you do this other business that you happen to be right on time ahead. And Laird Superfood represents that. So every person that came on that gravitated towards the business was the right person. Um, even right now, what we're going through, the business sales are skyrocketing because we have our own factories. We don't co-pack with anybody. And it's food and we can get it to people at their houses. Um, so I've learned a lot in that business about what it looks like when it all kind of goes right. And to enjoy that, that's the other thing. There are end goals, of course. We have grown-ups. All our finance guys come from Boston. Like it's not us in our surf shorts <laughs> and workout clothes. Like I said, we have factories. We have like, you know, real. it's real business. But what I will say is, I believe this is the unicorn business, but you better enjoy it. Because being creative and expanding and growing with a group of people that you respect and admire that are smart is a lot of fun. And people keep going like, oh, if we go there and if we do this and if we do that. And that would be cool. Like someone goes, okay, here's a bunch of money. But it's like, now what? So I think also for people to really stay in touch with the creative process, even if you are a more linear business person, is the stuff. And it's hard. So I think learning that um, having the right people, the thing I've learned from my CEO of Laird Superfood is corporate culture is imperative. You can have the best business and everything's correct and infrastructure. If you have the wrong culture, corporate culture, you can die. Um, healthy tension, right? So if my CFO and my CEO can go to the mats health in a healthful way, but they're not always sitting there going, I agree. Oh, you're right. And this and that, that's no growth. It's saying, I'm pushing you, I'm pushing you. You're pushing me, I'm pushing you. But the language is always respectful and we get to the resolutions in a, in a, in a way that then I can still trust you. Um, and that still just comes back to being a person and your values and things like that. So just because someone's super smart, if they're willing to lie, cheat and steal, but they can help your business, you're going to pay for that at some yeah. point. And so it's, 
it's always kind of, you know, you ever, especially when people are raising capital, this is the tricky part. Don't take the money to take the money. Like you better be clear about who you're taking the money from and what their objectives are. Because if it's just about getting the money from them, but you, you know that their snakehead is right there. Yeah, Sorry. 100%. I think it's really interesting what you said about your CEO, your CFO, because most people, when they have a business, end up not doing the fun thing anymore and end up becoming just someone who manages everything else. Um, was it important to employ people to be able to do those things? Oh, you have to. I didn't go to, I, you know, listen, my seat, I, I had so my XPT is by guys who like were at Wharton and then, my and then Laird Superfood is done is my the CEO there who is also one of the co-founders is an entrepreneur so we're talking like 20 startups different regimes made lots of mistakes risk averse he's the guy and so I think it's you have to know what you're good at and say I'm in over my head and even him like he normally would be out already because he he's sort of like I'll get the thing yeah. going, launch it, and I'm out because he's also a live he's a liver of life, right? But what happened is we had a CFO come in naturally who was exploring and investing in the company and kind of understood how when you have a reoccurring business and just some other things, self appointed himself CFO as he invested. So then all of a sudden my CEO goes, I will stay because this is fun. And what needs to get covered on this side is getting covered by somebody who's very, very good. Um, I think that's, it's just necessary. You need somebody who wants to look at graphs and charts and numbers and above the line and below the line. Um, And you need people who are always looking at the horizon saying over here could be an obstacle. I need to get 70,000 pounds of coconut, whatever, because we're heading towards, you know, it's just like all of that. Um, and then Laird and I can stay creative. We can understand about communication. We can, um, you know, I, sometimes I'm just like, I'm the shopper, like meaning when I see that, how does that hit me as a shopper, you know, in my feet, you know, I I shop for my house. Um, and, and just also trying to continue not to have a corporate agenda, but like, how is this hitting the human being? Um, and what this is about. So I, I think once you can get there and you can have somebody, oh, it's it's just so important. Um, so currently with lockdown and everything, we're seeing uh, social media particularly play like a really huge part in things. Um, I really enjoy your your Instagram account. I think it's really like valuable, the stuff that you're putting out there. Basically, it's just a platform for you to help people <laughs> is what it appears to be. Um, what like... And but what I wanted to ask you, because obviously you've got a young family, how and because it's it's the kids that I worry for on social media. So um, how are you navigate as a mum, as a business person with your own personal social media account? How are you finding things? I lose I lose sleep over it, especially for my I have a 12. My youngest is a 12 year old girl. Yeah. I have three daughters, so they're all girls. But I lose sleep over it because I'm like, oh, her brain's developing. And then it's, it's, you know, it's TikTok. It's, oh, it's owned by China. They're getting all your analytics. Um, she can't concentrate for more than 15 seconds at a time. Like I really lose sleep over in all the ways that I'm allowing her to be harmed. And then, you know, you step back and you go, okay, I, Laird and I can be the best example that we can be. We're going to continue to live in our values 
and uh, we'll try to to navigate, you know, putting bumpers up. It's very hard, though. Any person, any parent that tells you like, oh, we have a system. It's like this. It's like that. I mean, congratulations to them. I don't have, you know, incredibly complicit children. So what I'm trying to figure out is how do I get them to navigate and learn to manage themselves, which, you know, and then sort of lean in and go, hey, I think we're going too far now. Um, but it is brutal. I, I actually think the group that has very young children is ahead of us because it kind of landed on our lap and we're like, okay, wait, what's happening? Um and they are getting the information about containment ahead. But listen, two-year-olds are on their parents' phone. They're in the game. So I think it's just, it's a, it's a drug that we're all on. It's a slot machine that every kid wants to play. It's set up that way. And as much as, you know, I have a very, I have a great friend who he's like, it's a tool. And I'm like, yes, a hammer <laughs> is a tool. And, <laughs> You know, you can use a hammer to bang nails or you can, you know, smash your skull with it. So I think it's like always trying to just keep the hammer on the nail. Um, but it's virtually impossible. I'm not going to lie. And, and as far as me personally, when I'm trying to communicate, I'm trying to be as real as I can be without being gratuitous. And I'm trying to say, OK, I don't really know anything. So I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm your guru. So I'm just trying to share things in a way like if I was with my friends and be like, yo, I learned this today. It seems pretty cool um, and create value. And that's it. Um, I don't think you give yourself enough credit because like there's some stuff you've been saying during, th during this interview. We go through and like collate clips from guests as as like after the after the interview. So many things you've said, I've just been going clip, 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 clip. And that's when you know it's a good interview. So you need to give yourself more credit. <laughs> Well, but listen, we, there's, there's just so much to learn and so many ways to improve that I believe that if you're, you have that mindset, it, it's just a better place to go because all of a sudden you sort of have the ability to keep navigating. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have it figured out or you go, but you just go, oh gosh, I, I could kind of hike this path and, and arrive at this vantage point and, and, and that just seems to really work well for me and it doesn't mean you know being oh gosh you know i haven't done anything but you know Laird and i talk about this a lot yesterday is gone like it's gone like here we are and so uh it, it's just it's using the experience of yesterday and that body of evidence to be to empower you to go forward but um it's gone why did you decide to get into podcasting? Did uh, Rogan talk you into it? Well, you know, when I, I started at uh, 22 and 23 interviewing people, like I used to do probably before you were born MTV sports. And um, I did, I had my own show called the extremist. Yeah. And I did, I've done a lot of writing columns, books for many years. So I've always loved the communication yeah. of learning from another person. And then I had a podcast with an acquaintance of mine, Neil Strauss, who wrote a book called the game and the truth. And we used to do a podcast together called The Truth Barrel. Um, and I liked the idea. Here's that teammate mentality, right? Like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do it by myself. Um, and so Neil was a great partner uh, because he has a very specific way of doing things. And I was like, cool. And I'll interject when I feel it's appropriate. And then after I saw Joe, and of, of course, I had been thinking about it. But I, again, I was like, oh, I don't know. I, how many shows could I do that would be interesting? And would I be interesting enough to ask people to listen 
um, I thought, you know what, screw it, just go back and do it. So I, um, that's why I think he really did push me over. Yeah. I don't know why he said to do it though. That was so weird to me. <laughs> I'll tell you something funny about that interview. Okay. I, I've been, I literally have been interviewed thousands of times. Okay. Yeah. And when I was driving to that particular interview, because I really appreciate what he's putting out there and the way he's putting it out there, like his real way, I was like, inside, I thought, oh, I hope I have a good interview. I mean, it's so stupid, like, have a good interview. What does that mean? And when we were in there, we were about an hour and a half in, and I had a like internal jolt of like, oh, we haven't talked about anything. This sucks. <laughs> like, I'm going to be the first person that, like, it was a snooze fest. And um, and that's how it feels with him. You just feel like you're kind of talking. You don't, you're not sure of any of it's particularly interesting to anybody um uh, especially also because he has such smart guests on there um but i i do really appreciate that but yeah i'm i'm very glad that i did it because again it's that forcing you to do something that you're sort of unsure about but feels important that you really want to be diligent and it's just another way to connect with people yeah 100 percent. and you've had some incredible guests on yeah you know it's funny yesterday i had a girl who uh She's she's sort of an integrative medicine person and she uses cannabis and CBD and mushrooms to, you know, she helped her father who has, it was going through chemo just to support his immune system. So I was like, okay, because it doesn't have to be like, oh, they're known or unknown. I don't really care. You know, I just want to yeah. talk and, and, and also like tell stories and whatever. And when, when we got off the interview, it was about, you know, 75 minutes or something. She shared how she, when she was younger, she had struggled with addiction and then how she ended up in this field and then how she helped her dad, at least right now as he's going through chemo. And when we were done, I thought she will have the ability to connect with people who are struggling with something so real and make it okay. Um, and it was like one of those things where you go, that's why you do it. Yeah. Yeah, and the messages you get from people and when you realize that you're actually making an impact in people's lives, it's 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 really something. Yeah, and I, I would always encourage people to remember something, including artists or anyone. We're just conduits. You know, take care of your portal. Keep your side of the street clean. It's not you. You're just the conduit. And because the minute it's you, it's over. And like, enjoy that. So in these testing times that we find ourselves in currently um what would be your number one piece of advice to people to um improve their well-being i think right now stress and fear are going to be the most important emotions to manage um, because the most impactful thing on your health is stress or negatively impactful and so you think from someone like me i'd be like try to squat every time you get up from your desk Yes. Okay. There, there is something called habit yeah. stacking that you could like, let's say you're, you walk through a certain doorway, go down and do five push ups. By the end of the day, you've done, you know, 60 push ups or whatever. We could do that, especially if you're in a small space. But if I could encourage people to also, if they need to go back, look through time, we have gone through a lot of things and this is people are, are dying and the economics for a lot of households is threatening. So we, we've identified this. This is true. This is stressful. But to sit and watch the news and get that message reinforced over and over, 
um, is probably not going to serve them. So get it, find places to get informed, get informed, get off for the day. Like yeah. if you go, I really want to find out what's going on in the world, do it, get off. And then I think also because we are sort of at home with our families or loved ones is weirdly try to give each other as much room yeah, or allowance yeah you know, generosity of, of mood. Like yesterday I was like a little edgy and, um, and, and my daughter and I kind of ran into each other. And then I was like, I, I'm just going to go into my own room. And then Laird came up and he goes, listen, it's a full moon. There's a lot of women, you know, everyone's on their like menstrual cycles. Uh, let's just take a deep breath. And I was like, okay. You know? And so kind of recognizing instead of going towards those highly charged dynamics or fires see if you can give yourself and them this space and and break um and uh, i think you know for me that I, I wouldn't suggest too much more because i think this is about maintenance i wouldn't say to someone get in the shape of your life right now and let me give you a list of things you need to accomplish you don't you just do the best you can if you're homeschooling your kids get through it if you are have work to have to work from home great and try in some way to maintain your personal center. And that's all we can hope for right now. Amazing. This too shall pass. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, well, Gabby Reese, G-A-B-B-Y-R-E-E-C-E, which is actually very, you know, Welsh, uh, is my Instagram. Um, XPT Life, we have a lot of free breathing things that we can offer people. And... Um, the uh, my podcast is called the Gabby Reese Show. I have a lot of really great guests that offer things that could be, hopefully, it's fun enough. And I I keep trying to do the information in a really relatable way. Uh, you know, I like the granular science stuff, but I just keep trying. I always tell my guests, I'm in third grade, I'm in fifth yeah. grade. Talk to me like that. Yeah, I love it. Everything from WWE wrestlers down to uh, expert doctors. It's is wicked. It's yeah. a great show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gabby. Thanks so much for listening. To get any value from these episodes, it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it. You can always reach out to us on Instagram at rebelscreate or head over to creativerebels.co. And remember, always be creating. See ya. See ya.